Hello and welcome to Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence brought to you by the TCT content team. I'm your host Laura Griffiths and coming up on this episode we're joined by Dr Johannes Homer, CEO of Ceramics 3D Printing Company Lithos, to reflect on a decade in the additive manufacturing industry. Having started out as students, Homer founded the company alongside CTO Dr. Johannes Benedict with a vision to facilitate the additive manufacture of high-performance ceramics. Ten years later, the company has successfully developed and commercialised machines for the mass production of ceramic products and can count customers in a range of demanding industries from medical to space. Here, Homer discusses the early days, the importance of research and academia in its continued development, and why ceramics work where other materials fail. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And for more additive insight, head on over to tctmagazine.com where you can get your free print subscription to TCT and get the biggest 3D printing news stories delivered straight to your inbox every week. Thank you, Johannes, for joining us today on the Additive Insight podcast. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm I'm doing great. Thanks you thank you for for inviting me. It's great to to have you here because we're going to talk about the the whole Lithos story today. You guys are celebrating a decade in the industry and I wanted to really start by going back to the start and talking about how the company's founders uh, met as students researching completely different disciplines and how you ended up working together. So, I guess can you start with telling us how the story began? Yeah, um, it was actually I was working on on uh, on my my PhD project or part of my PhD project where I started to develop this technology, and uh, actually I wanted to or I needed to to drop out of this project because my uh, my my PhD was coming to an end, and uh, then the professor was having or did, had a new project. Uh, to to fund uh, the the future work, and it was clear that I could not do it because you know I had to finish my stuff, mm-hmm. and uh, there was another student working at the same institute, whom I didn't know very well, you know, just from you know ha- hello how are you so so really on a very not not really a deep relation, uh, but I I had the feeling that that this guy is is really a, a mechanical engineer by heart, somebody who could really develop a new machine for the for for the for the material i i had started to develop because mm-hmm. the, the current machines which were on the market did not fit to the to the material i was developing and and he was developing a heating unit unit for a biaxial stretching machine okay. so really something completely different what i did <laughs> uh, and i was asking him the other day saying hey how are you doing? What 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 are your plans? I said, yeah, I don't have any plans at the moment. I said, yeah, when when will you f- hand in your your master thesis? He said, yeah, in I think he was saying in three weeks. And said, and then, well, I don't have any ideas. And then I say, well, the, that's let's uh, let's go to Professor Stampfel and ask him if if he would have a job for you, and. I think 45 minutes later, he came back and said, yeah, we'll start in August. So it was in this time, it was about springtime. So a couple of months later, he he got started. Uh, and then, you know, I transferred everything to him, the, the know-how and, and, and learned him how to do that. And soon 
I, I realized that it was a perfect match because he he was really a mechanical engineer by heart and he started to to work on on developing a new machine and everything and and actually then I was just final, finalizing my my PhD work and for me actually it was clear that I will leave then uh, and then a um, couple of months later my I was you know just final, finalizing my PhD uh, the professor was coming back to me and asking, "Hey, Johannes, do you want to stay uh, and uh, and support the other Johannes in 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 his work because he's doing now he's doing the machine development and the material development and uh, but that's too much for him because it's it's going so well the project we need more more manpower. Mm -hmm. Do you want to do your old job again and develop material there?" Uh, I was thinking, saying, yeah, certainly I would, but only under one condition, if we found afterwards a company, if this is, is if, if we are successful with this mm -hmm. project. And he was saying, yes, perfect. That's a good idea. So uh, let's get started. So that was then uh, where I go get back, got back into this project. And yeah, and at the end, we, we founded the company. It was, unfortunately, it was not months later, which I expected. It was actually then from this point of time, two and a half years later. So I do want to talk to you a little bit more uh, later on about uh, the company's roots in research and academia. But I also wanted to just ask you about where you saw the demand when you started out. As you said, it was this perfect partnership. You know, you guys really um, answered the questions that each other were, were, were trying to answer. And what was the demand you saw at the time for this ceramics additive manufacturing technology that could be used for true production? Oh, at at the beginning, it was it was difficult to to clearly vision the the demand for it. It it was mm -hmm. more maybe a little bit a, a gut feeling or a little bit of an of an understanding uh, what was really needed. So we knew that three D printing was already let's say well established in in plastics and in metals, but mm -hmm. um, but in the ceram ceramics was still reluctant to use it and and the question was why was this uh, and and it was because there was no technology on the market which could fulfill the demand of the ceramic industry which mm -hmm. is a very very high quality standard and uh and we i mean you know we didn't make any deep market research but, but the gut feeling was, if we solve this problem, there has to be a similar demand as in plastics and in, in metals. And, uh, and that was actually, at the end, it was true. And so what were some early iterations of the technology like then? As you say, it's, uh, it is a complex process. For ceramics, it has to be perfect. So what were kind of early generations of, of this uh, additive manufacturing technology like? Oh. <laughs> I mean, it was, you know, we started from, from developing the material. And then mm -hmm. we soon learned that the machines available on the market did not or are, are not, were not able to work with this material. On the one hand, from the, the high viscosity, but on the other hand, also from a quality aspect uh, point of view. Mm -hmm. So uh, we started to develop uh, our own machines. 
and and you know adapting the machine to the material also increasing the the quality of the machine and the reliability and everything and then we learned a third stuff which is which is also very important is the the process parameters as a such i mean from the very beginning till the very end because as you know maybe the uh, with the ceramic processing you have a two-step approach so you make first uh the part as a so-called green body and then you have to debind and sinter it and and uh therefore with you have this two-step approach and therefore you have to really control every single parameter and everything where you have a a problem at the beginning will turn out as a problem only at the end when the part is mm -hmm. finally fired uh this is this makes the, the iterations quite time consuming because you always have to wait for the um for the for the sintering and uh and and so basically this is something which is still very much un underestimated as well in industry as, as with with some of the uh players in the market that you really have to the machine the material and the parameters they have to work perfectly together and you cannot just exchange one and replace it by something else it really is this triangle which has to work together at the end and this mm -hmm. is this is the, the the difficult stuff in in ceramics because i always say in ceramics only three things are, are matter and this is first quality second quality and third quality so quality is the the, the most the, the highest priority here and there everything has to fit together and on the way to that did you have any major challenges or any horror stories you can tell us about <laughs> not horror story i mean horror story. <laughs> basically when you develop something this is usually a horror because uh, you have so many so many setbacks and things don't work out and you think now this is now the breakthrough and uh, things are are going in the wrong direction but basically what 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 we had and this as i said in the beginning when when or when when i uh, started then after my phd to to work again on this project was to say i was just thinking okay we are just a few months away from the breakthrough and and then we learned that we had to glue even closer and even closer and then you know first you were seeing the the the, the, the crack cracking is usually the biggest problem here so we were seeing the crack you know even they were cracking just on the machine and then after you took them off of the machine and then you solved that one and then the cracks were were getting smaller and then you had to use uh, a microscope to see them and then you know have to go to to a testing machine to see if there are cracks there and and this is really um something which which shows the the, um, the difficulty of of ceramic processing in additive manufacturing and this is yeah uh something where which is sometimes overseen how close you should look into the, the the parts to get really the best quality but you did of course eventually uh, hit that breakthrough you know you set yourselves a goal of being able to manufacture ceramic materials with equal properties to those produced using conventional technologies so what what was the the first sort of what was the reaction like what did kind of would-be customers see the potential as very early on 
the in the in the beginning you know there was it was more like an academia project so it was not really something where, where you know where the customers are all waiting in line and say hey we just want you to 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 reach that this was really our internal um bar which we had to hit mm. and say otherwise it would not make sense anyway to to commercialize this this, this technology because then we just have more of the same uh, which was already on the market and this is not what the industry needs and um but when we had this even then the the industry was was already let's say a little bit of burnt so you we were showing to people hey you know we can do no additive manufacturing of ceramics and the people were saying yeah we know we have mm. seen it so many times it's nothing for us it just doesn't work and and so we show hey these are the parts have a look here and and then they're saying yeah 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 we've seen so many parts and then but here have a look they say wow this is 3D printing. They say yes, this is 3D printing. And you know, is it strong? Yes, it's strong. You cannot break it. And and this was something you know where we had to to overcome the you know the the let's say the the the, the problems which the 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 others had created in the market. We had to convince the the, the potential customers that that 3D printing is now really working. So mm -hmm. this is also something what which was not so easy in the beginning. Today's episode is sponsored by Evolve Additive. I spoke to Director of Business Development, James Grimm, about their unique STEP technology. STEP technology has just hit the commercial market and it is something completely different. So what it stands for is selective thermoplastic electrophotographic process. What this really is, is a, uh, a three-step process. Think of like industrial uh, high volume 2D printing. And so what we've done is adapted that existing technology that's really proven and reliable from a great manufacturer, Kodak. And so we leverage their 2D printing and we create toners out of polymers, right? So thermoplastics. And once we've tonerized the thermoplastics, we can then use that printing technology and image thermoplastics in a similar way that, that they were imaging ink toners onto paper, right? Through a really high-tech 3D printing process, uh, we can align those plastic images on top of one another. They get fused together under heat and pressure, which is very similar to what's going on in an, in an injection molding machine. And so the net result is uh, very, very high resolution, very, very high detail, and a surface quality that is very similar to injection molding. And so what this allows us to do is really kind of poke into where injection molding currently has been uh, fulfilling manufacturing and with parts. And we, we are able to do this now with additive manufacturing and, and cut into what we kind of call our, our, our five pillars uh, of where our company stands on, right? And we want to deliver additive manufacturing that meets customers' needs for cost, a wide variety of materials, so real thermoplastic materials. We need to deliver parts that are of utmost quality. So it's very, you know, identical or better than injection molding quality and at a speed to meet high throughput. And we want it to be scalable, right? Our technology can grow and it's versatile, it really kind of breaks away from maybe a lot of the limitations of, of traditional injection molding. 
As we look towards AM for production, there's a lot of interest around the idea of the factory of the future. What's Evolve's take on how AM fits into that vision? The factory of the future is something that we really live and breathe every day at Evolve, right? Uh, automated unloading and loading of our parts is re- built right into the machine. So no, no more trying to create some sort of crazy robotic arm integration. It's pretty straightforward with ours. And so we've designed the machine to work in in a factory setting right from the ground up. We've already built what we call Evolve factory software. And this allows you to really tap into all the data that is collected during the build process of our machine and leverage that for things like, you know, ERP systems or MES systems and really sort of integrate this machine in an automated fashion into your own uh, production scheduling, ordering, fulfillment, it's really designed right from right out of the gate to be play very friendly with all of these fantastic automation tools and AI tools and big data tools that are coming our way. And another trend that we're really seeing right now is conversations around the role of additive manufacturing on supply chain. Where does Evolve fit into that conversation? Product producers are looking at how do they manufacture closer to the point of purchase. So you can start doing things like part rev control at a central headquarters and you know you can print parts at high volume and high mix at specific sites around the world. And so rather than calling up your contract manufacturer, having them pull a, pull a tool off of a shelf and prep it for molding, this is just send the data to your SVP machine that's sitting at your, at your manufacturing facility and pressing print. For more information, visit evolveadditive.com. For listeners who may be, you know, more familiar with additive manufacturing rather than the ceramics industry, mm-hmm. you know, what were the unique challenges that ceramics really pose for additive manufacturing compared to other things like uh, polymers and, and metals? Very, very good question. So, but maybe, maybe I'll uh, take here a little bit of broader uh, um, uh, response. So first of all, you should know that ceramics are used in very harsh environments, usually where you have uh, very high temperatures, where you have high abrasion, where you have high chemical um, corrosion, uh, or, you know, all in these harsh environments. So basically, to sum this up, is ceramics are used where other materials fail. Mm-hmm. So you, if you want to use a 3D printed ceramic, it has to have the same or equal material properties as the conventionally formed, because otherwise you can use also any other material. So you have nothing, I mean, what I know from, because in the beginning I was very much working in plastics, and and there you have something like, yeah, we just make a prototype, you know, it, it just has to look like it. It, it mm-hmm. doesn't have to, to have the same properties. It just has to, you know, has to withstand the test, and that's that's all. But here... In ceramics, you have to have the same material properties, and therefore there is nothing like, in the sense of of of, of here of plastic, like like prototyping. We have just here a production with lot size one, and that that's a huge difference uh, if if you compare it to the to to the other uh, materials, especially to to plastic. So mm-hmm. there's nothing you don't want to have a. A, a, um, a geometry prototype or you don't want to make a fit test you really want to use it in the real conditions mm-hmm. and that's that's some that's the the big challenge here mm-hmm. 
And there are so many different industries that that really applies to. I've seen various customer examples from Lithos, from things like dental to even manufacturing for for outer space as well. Can you share some of your favorite application stories? Yeah, of course, as you said, I mean, medical medical is uh, for sure a very interesting market, including dental. So where it comes to personalized implants, either dental or, or really in medical. So we are also uh, since 2011, uh, 2017, sorry, in, in human use for, for bone replacement material, mm-hmm. where you also have customized implants, but also the, the medical tech sector, so where you uh, have um, medical de- devices which are not going into the body but which are used for for instruments surgical instruments or or aids or something um where which, which are used in this industry and they have usually for injection molding a rather low uh number of of, of parts which they need per year and here we are seeing that this industry is really moving away from injection molding into additive manufacturing mm-hmm. because this gives them much more flexibility. And, and these are the ones who really go, uh, who are already in, in zero production. Zero production means here five to 20,000 parts per year, mm-hmm. besides, of course, uh, the implants. Uh, and then we have the whole sector of mechanical engineering with electrical engineering or all those parts where you just need it for machinery or as you said as you were saying for space applications so they are really a lot of them and then last but not least um, there are the uh, the casting cores so casting cores for turbine blades mm-hmm. for uh, airplanes as well as as uh, industrial gas turbines for uh, energy generation mm-hmm. So circling back to the the origin story and and talking about academia and and how this came from from a research project, you know, you've really emphasized how uh, this company came from academia and how this really feeds into its ongoing story too. I just wondered if if you can talk about the importance of this feedback loop between academia and industry in accelerating the AM ceramics industry. Yeah, I mean, for us, since we we have an academia background, we still we're still working a lot with academia in order to to further develop our process and our our products Uh, because on the one hand you need sometimes a very deep understanding of the of the process Mm -hmm. and of the of the um, parameters behind the process if you want to to modify things uh, or, or develop things further and uh, on the other hand, uh, you need somebody who takes a very close look at uh, the microstructure, for example, or at at, um, at failures which are in the part to really solve all the issues. Because at the end, the industry is only interested in an application which works. Mm-hmm. They are not interested in uh, developing something, basically. They want to have applications. This is, I think, where we had a really good match or where we have build up our company uh, really on this academia background and still with this academia support to serve uh, or to provide a technology uh, where the uh, uh, where industry can use it very quickly for their application and which already fulfills their, their needs. Mm-hmm. I was um, to tell a story, uh, 
mean, maybe not so well known in in, uh, in in the additive manufacturing industry, but very well known in, in additive manufacturing, ah, in ceramics, is Professor Danza from Montano Uh He's he's very much into fracture analysis and, and microstructure, and um, and we were talking about the collaboration, and he said, well, you know, when we are collaborating with you, we will put the finger into the wound and and tell you what you are not yet doing correctly mm. and and this will this will not be easy and and i was replying to him i know that this will not be easy and and we will hate you from time to time <laughs> but this is basically what we need we need somebody who tells us what's not yet uh or the, where where's the problem and and then we can work to fix it and it's and you know they are so happy if they see if they see a failure and they they want to publish then the failure and maybe it's you know it's just one failure in 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 what in out of in one out of hundred parts but they want to publish it because that's the that they was looking for them yeah mm-hmm. and and this is sometimes you know a, a, yeah I would say not 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 so a, a very small. Um, uh, 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 um, it's it's not so easy to to navigate them through that because they want to show the problems, but you know you don't want them to show the problems. You want yeah. to say, hey, anyway, good. It's ninety nine nine percent good, and there's just one 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 failure there. And mm-hmm. uh, but on the other hand, this is something which a company has to 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 stand and mm-hmm. and where they say, okay, yeah, that's good. We have somebody who is looking into these problems. And we are solving them at the end. This, this is this. I think this is what 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 is one of the key values of Litos of of being honest mm-hmm. and telling uh, customers what's working and but also what's not working and where we are right now. This is not really sometimes promoting sales. I have to admit, but on the other hand, we have been really successful with our customers or partner put them into production. Mm-hmm. So 25% of our customers have more than one machine, which means that they have already successfully used the machine to make additional business. So the additive manufacturing industry has grown an awful lot in the 10 years that Lithos has been around. Where do you see the biggest opportunities right now for ceramics 3D printing? And are there perhaps markets and applications that you believe we're now only able to address because we've got this technology? Yeah, what, what I see really, um, there are now two things which are, which are pushing ceramics. On the one hand, uh, there's a general let's say, a general move towards ceramics. So mm-hmm. we see not only additive uh, as, as, you know, having good growth rates, but also um, the, you know, the general ceramic sector is, is increasing or is growing very rapidly because uh, two things. On the one hand, in terms of the medical sector, where, where people realize that metal is not always the best choice. You know, some mm. people have... Uh, uh, allergies and, and and developing some sensitivities to to metals, as well as, as heat conductivity sometimes a topic because you can feel 
let's say direct sunlight if you have a, a metal plate in in your in your skull and and so so in the medical sector we see an increase but on the other hand also since we are moving into more and more harsh uh, conditions especially you know when you for example when you want to increase temperature and stuff like this because this will increase the efficiency of an engine or so mm-hmm. then they need to move into new materials and uh, and then you know that ceramic is the material of choice and, and additionally i think um people are realizing that um that ceramics has a lot of advantages compared to to other uh, materials and uh and they are moving more and more into that because if they really see then uh, the life uh costs of of the part ceramics is sometimes even although it's most of the time more expensive than metals on a life cost, it's sometimes much cheaper than metal because it just lasts so much longer. Mm-hmm. And so we see on the one end here a trend uh, towards uh, ceramics in general. And on the other hand, in, in additive, we see also that people which have already developed their applications and, and are now uh, using it and they see, hey, the, 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 the plastics we're using, the, the metals we're using, they don't fulfill really our needs. We need some new materials. And then there is uh, also from that side uh, coming an, an increasing demand into additive manufacturing of ceramics. Mm-hmm. And just because you mentioned metals a little bit there, then I, I know that Lithos also spun out another company called Incas mm-hmm. in 2019, yeah. and that was focused on metals. I just wondered how that experience in ceramics perhaps led to that breakthrough in metals as well. Yeah, it was it was really our knowledge what we had in in uh, in, in in the whole processing, yeah? and this is something where we're saying it's it was material. Uh, understanding machine understanding and process understanding and then you know we were trying to work on 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 metals and at the beginning we failed where it didn't really work out and uh and then our idea is always because adapting the technology to the powder and then we were saying okay it doesn't work that way so we had to to modify the the machine setup and of course we had to modify the materials the process parameter everything but uh, it was really the, the knowledge we had, which we could transfer from the ceramics into metals. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I was reading again over an interview that uh, you guys recently had um, in TCT magazine, where it was stated that uh, you believe Lithos will be the first in history to set up geographically independent yet digitally connected machine parks for the global mm-hmm. mass production of 3D printed applications. Quite a big, bold statement. <laughs> Can yep. you elaborate on, on that grand vision and, and why you yep. think Lithos will, will be the ones to do it? Sure. I think, you know, um, first of all, we are we are really the, the only ones in the ceramic industry which are doing really zero production or Let's put it the other way around, where the customers are doing really zero production because mm-hmm. actually we don't produce parts, so the the customer do that, mm-hmm. and uh, and they are starting to build their 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 factories and and developing everything for the future growth, and um, and here we 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 are we are now in you know I would say very well established in doing zero production. But the, the vision of, of us and of our customers going away that uh, it's completely independent from where the machine is, is situated. So mm-hmm. uh, 
they want to produce maybe something here or something there. And, you know, there is one or one division or one guy or one division who, who prepares the parts and they could print it in Europe. They could print it in Asia. They could print it in, 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 uh, in, in, in the United States. So that's globally independent, but everything is well connected. And that's where we have now worked on the, on the technical, um, requirements to, to be able to perform that. And we have achieved very, very good results. And, and, uh, this will be then rolled out in the, in the next years in really in, in manufacturing. Great. Well, just to kind of cap things off, then I know we're talking virtually at the minute, but we are thankfully finally getting back to meeting in person and getting back to major industry events uh, like Form Next next month. And I just wondered if you can give us any kind of hints at what uh, listeners can expect to see from Lithos at Form Next and anything else going into next year as well. Yeah, first of all, I'm really happy to 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 meet people again. We have this at our AM Ceramics. It was so good to talk to people again and, you know, Get a deeper get into deeper discussions besides uh, teams and Zoom meetings. So that was really great. And um, we are for sure what we will present uh, is our multi-material approach. So the multi-material printing we are doing. We will show new applications, new technologies. So there's really a lot which we have developed in the in the past uh, years. And uh, you could always expect something new to see. And uh, I think you could also expect to have an in-depth discussion with our experts how to make your application fly. 